You know, guys, when you get to be our age, finding the motivation to get back in shape can be hard. It's just plain tough to find a routine and to stick with it. Good news. FitBod is a fitness app that is anything but routine. It tailors your workouts to fit your life, your goals, your gear, and even your schedule, so you can avoid burnout. And FitBod helps keep up your momentum by mixing in different exercises, reps, supersets, and circuits. Best yet, FitBod has over 1,000 demonstration videos, so you can learn the right way to do each exercise. It's time to ditch the boring routines and kickstart your fitness journey. Add FitBod to your workout essentials. Join today to get your personalized workout plan. Get 25% off your subscription or try the app for free at fitbod.me slash Zabe. That's F-I-T-B-O-D dot M-E slash Zabe. Today on the Zabecast, Adrian Peterson is going to stink, says Chris Carter. Andy Poland will help me close down the Rockville Pike studios of the Team 980 as we get ready to move to Silver Spring. So many memories, so many dust bunnies. All that plus a special announcement and the weekly mailbag. You got 45 minutes burning a hole in your pocket? Then buckle up and let's go. Here we go. Friday, August 31st, 2018. Thank you for downloading. Let's get cracking. Wow, that is some player-on-player crime. And as Adrian Peterson points out, it's some black-on-black crime. Now, I'm not so sure about the point of that, but this is interesting. Chris Carter was asked about how he thinks Adrian Peterson, a.k.a. Burgundy Jesus, will do as a Redskin. Carter said on FS1's First Things First, quote, Did you see me in a Dolphins uniform? I had no business playing that season. I wouldn't have admitted it either. These guys get so sensitive about everything. Adrian had better get over himself. We were all great, but in the end, we all smelled like a baby's diaper. Wow. Peterson was tracked down for comment. Jared Bell of USA Today said, quote, watching some of these, watching some of the things they said about me, said Peterson, man, it really hurt me to the core. Not only are they black men, but these are people I looked up to. And these are people that made mistakes, especially Chris Carter. Uh, Time out here. So Adrian Peterson, who was suspended for basically an entire year, for taking a switch to his kid's ass, is going to get on Chris Carter. Okay. And we're back. So some of the things, says Peterson, that come out of his mouth, not only personally, but about me as a player, oh, he's washed up and this and that and the other, and he should just retire. How dare you, said AP. Then Shannon Sharp said the same thing. He said some things, and I'm just like, wow, I can't believe that would come out of your mouth. I understand that people are entitled to their opinions. That's the way of the world, but they are in a position where millions of people are watching them. I understand people are entitled to their opinions, but I don't like their opinions, and I'm saying how dare they even say those opinions. But I totally understand you're allowed to have your opinions. Come on, AP. Just say, look, 
Keep running your mouth. Both you guys. Maybe you doubt me. I don't doubt me. And watch. I'm going to show you I can still ball. Remember the Peyton Manning commercial uh, for the United Way where he's yelling at the kids, telling them, you know, come on, catch the football, being a real mean ass? Well, recently Peyton Manning was on stage somewhere at some interview and was asked about that commercial. And Peyton Manning had an interesting anecdote as to how it almost never happened. These footballs were Nerf footballs with the Nerf cutout. They were as light as a feather. But they put those sound effects with, with it. It looks like you were just knocking these kids out. <laughs> and I remember the director said, Peyton, you're a charitable guy. This is a spoof the United Way. That's why it's going to be funny. But it's only going to work if you're all in. I mean, you've got to whack these kids right in the head. <laughs> and I kept saying, my mother's going to be so disappointed when she sees this. And I finally, these kids were all child actors. Their parents were out there watching the whole time. It was very awkward and uncomfortable. And I finally told the director, I said, you know what, I just can't do it. I can't do it. I said, I will go up to the edge. This feels over the edge. I'm not comfortable. And he said, no problem. We don't have to do it. We don't want you to do anything out of your comfort zone. And right then, I cannot make this up, one of the parents of the child actors runs out onto the set and tells the director, I want him to hit my kid in the face. <laughs> and I said, I will do it. I will knock your kid out. You know? So. <laughs> Pretty funny. I can definitely see how these parents of child actors, and you know, the parents are crazy. Parents will send their kids to auditions left and right all over the place, travel all over the country. They want their kids to be stars. Oh, I've known a few of them. I've, I've, I've seen that world. Just a little glimpse of it. I can imagine them sitting there. They've got Peyton fucking Manning at his peak on a set outside to film a commercial. Their kids are lucky enough to be in the mix, to be in the commercial. And all of a sudden, Peyton's like, I don't know if I feel it. I don't know if I could do this. Of course, one of those parents of those stage actors, those, uh, or the, uh, the, the parent of the, of the child actors would say, oh, no, 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 you're not backing out of this. I want you to fucking hit my kid right in the face. <laughs> Foam Nerf balls that the Nerf had been carved out of them, light as a feather. Okay, he was throwing them pretty good still. It remains one of the all-time commercials. And truthfully, I don't know how hard Peyton Manning had to dig to come out with his vindictive side because we saw that Peyton Manning knows how to be vindictive when it comes to protecting his pristine reputation, whether it's about the mooning incident at Tennessee or the whole HGH thing in his neck recovery with uh, the Al Jazeera report and the goons and the black trench coach showing up and... Knocking on people's doors. So, yeah. But that's a good anecdote right there. Interesting throwback Thursday nugget from one Darren Ravel. He tweeted a picture of Inside Sport magazine from 1993 that detailed the highest paid sports writers that year. Of course, Mike Lupica of the New York Daily News was number one. uh, Who do you read? I, uh, I like Mike Lupica. Mike Lupica? He's a sports writer for the Daily News. <laughs> I find him very insightful. No, no, no. I mean, I mean authors. Yeah, Mitch Album was number two, Detroit Free Press. Blackie Sherrod, Dallas Morning News, was third at 225. 
The great Jim Murray, legend Jim Murray, LA Times 200. Rick Riley of SI, 150 at the time. Lee Montville of SI, 130. Then four writers who are all locals in D.C. here. Tony Kornheiser and Tom Boswell, Washington Post, 125 and 120 respectively. Sally Jenkins, 115. And she was with Sports Illustrated at the time. And then Christine Brennan with the Washington Post, 115 as well. I have no idea how accurate those numbers are. Maybe next time I see Mr. Tony, I'll go, hey, was that accurate back then? I'm not sure how they would get that information. They could have been crude estimates. It sounds about right. And, you know, Sally on the local show was like, that's all they were making? I thought they'd be making a million dollars. And I'm like, it's 1993. Even in the heyday of newspapers, where newspapers were printing money, not just printing the paper, but printing money, mostly through the classified ads, and the you know big sports columnists like Lupica were stars. Uh, yes, they were getting paid a really, really nice salary, which that is, but no, not a million dollars in 1993. So, yeah. Couple of fan questions here, listener questions, Twitter questions. Cody Lee Becker writes to say, Zabe, first time direct TV subscriber, what should I expect from the NFL Sunday ticket? Great, meh, or suck? Well, I think you can expect all the games, minus the game in your area, and minus any other restrictions they may put on uh, your games. But no, you should expect to. Really enjoy being able to watch any game that you want. And if you got the mega package, you will get uh, the uh, you know the, the red zone, which can I just stop for a second here while we're on the red zone? This is going to be an unpopular take, but I think the red zone is extremely overrated. And that is not in any way to impugn the work of my friend and colleague, Andrew Siciliano. He does a masterful job. But I just don't get off, as some people do, at watching only the red zone. I mean, it's good when games are coming down to it in the 3.30 to 3.45 hour. But it's also good to have multiple TVs to then watch the games coming down to it in the 3.30 to 4 o'clock hour. So that's what can you expect? I mean, you can expect all the games. I mean, you can expect it to be great. You know, you can, if you have multiple TVs in your basement, which you should, and you buy the direct TV Sunday ticket, which is fucking expensive. And now they won't give you discounts. And I didn't even bother this year getting on the phone to bitch at them and say, I'm canceling. Give me this for free. I guess I'm getting too lazy. It's a write off, Jerry. Uh, you know, you have three TVs and you have the Sunday ticket. I mean, Sundays are fun. There's no question about it. It's fun to put multiple games on. It's fun to be able to sit there and go, I'm going to get a live looking at Buffalo. Why do I care? I don't know. I've got no f- fantasy players on there, but whatever. Let's go take a look at the game. So that's what I would say you can quote unquote expect. Here's an email. You can always email me at zabe at yahoo.com. This from Chris Gerard in Cincinnati. Zabe, why do I, a lifelong resident of the great, if yet understated, city of Cincinnati, listen to a local radio show out of Washington, D.C.? Well, of course, it is somewhat due to the fact that the host, you, once upon a time had a national show that was broadcast on a station in Cincinnati. Then you went away, and I somehow heard that you are now on a local D.C. station. Probably heard about it somewhere on social media. So I tuned into 980 AM's app, and lo and behold, 
I was hooked yet again. And I continue to listen every day. The real reason I listen is the manner in which you address the various sports and non-sports stories and the fact that you provide time on the show for national-level sports topics and also some even non-sports topics. I love the fact that you devote time to such topics as the stolen plane story and more. But it really comes down to the down-to-earth, authentic manner in which you come at these topics. Yes, that is what I try to do. I try to just talk normally. Don't try to broadcast to you. I try to talk as normally as I can and just have my my words just whistle past a microphone and be picked up and broadcast out. That's what I like to do. I'm not begrudging anybody who does a true broadcast sports radio show and has tons of stats and whatnot. I try to do what I call a conversational style of show. I also like to consider my commentary on whatever it is in sports to be uh, three-dimensional, for lack of a better term, which is to talk about what happened, why it happened, put myself in the shoes of the person that might be the subject of the story, look at it from the league's perspective, to take a good walk around the issue and look at it from all angles. I try to do that much as I can. Anyway, he says, it boils down to the fact that you are the antidote to the sanitized, corporatized, nicey-nicey, Mike and Mike style of show that is prevalent in sports radio. Now, to be sure, I do tune out when you get deep in a Redskins, Nats, Wizards, Caps talk. Well, I do have to serve the local audience. And sometimes I do yell at my phone when you say something I don't agree with. Good, that's what you should do. But I will keep listening for sure as long as you keep it up, and please do keep it up. My only gripe would be no tennis talk, as I am a lifelong tennis fan and player on my high school team. And I know you say that it isn't any good to talk tennis because it's hard to talk about a particular forehand or a backhand shot. What exactly are you going to say? I disagree, but that's the subject of a separate email. Oh, I can't wait for that email. No, U.S. Open is going on right now. I would love to hear, the only guy that I ever heard try to talk tennis, really talk tennis, is Chris Russo, who is a fairly big tennis player himself. And he will get into it during the uh, the majors, and especially during the U.S. Open, which is in New York, so it makes sense. And I just, I, it's dry. I can't, I can't get into why uh, Juan Martin Del Potro I was unable to get his second serve in and how he lost the ad court in the second set down three love and never recovered from that and had to rush the net uh, more in the third set to try to force a serve and volley. You know what? Here, if I were to hear that and if you were to hear that on sports radio, uh, you would probably look for the nearest gun you could find. Hey, man, don't joke about suicide. It's not fucking cool, man. I am very, very sorry. Let me apologize for that before I get fired from my own podcast. All right, all right, I apologize. <laughs> I'm really, really sorry. Okay. I apologize unreservedly. Now, I see his thing. I joke about, I, you know, I could get fired from my own podcast. We're living in a day and age where if you say something inflammatory enough, I suppose, on your own podcast, that people could then go, it, 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 it doesn't matter he didn't say it on the air, he said it on his podcast. I'm not making fun of suicide. Please do not blow your brains out no matter what. If you're depressed, if you're lonely, if you're suicidal, please call a suicide hotline. Thank you. All right, all right, I apologize. Okay. I'm really, really sorry. Uh, that said, uh, nobody wants to hear a ton of talk on the radio. 
Anyway, one more thing from Chris Gerard. <laughs> and regarding Solly, he writes, sorry, but I'm a hashtag less Solly guy. I still hold on to about a 1% chance that he is entirely a work. I mean, claiming you could beat Ronda Rousey in a fight, wanting to outlaw sparklers if he became an elected official, claiming he does not have a cable or satellite TV in his house with high definition, saying he hates all pro athletes because they did not have to work for their money, buys a house with his girlfriend and doesn't tell you and Scott, and on and on and on. I'm forgetting a lot of batshit crazy stuff with him, but it's all a bit too much. Anyway, thanks for the show. Sincerely, Chris Gerard, Cincinnati, Ohio. (laughs) I can't wait to tell Solly that. It'd be like, okay, well, there's one guy that's less Solly. Everybody else is hashtag more Solly. All right. On Thursday, I cleaned out my office at the 1801 Rockville Pike Studios of the Team 980, formerly ESPN 980, formerly Sports Talk 980. Had been there for 12 years. I found a lot of really interesting documents in my files, kept all the interesting ones, threw out a bunch of other shit. A lot of dust balls, a lot of memories. And it was only fitting that I would have Andy Poland come in get through security since he no longer works there and help me do one last podcast to close down once and for all the Rockville Pike studios. And then after I was done, I said, I don't think I'm ever going to set foot in Rockville, Maryland again. No offense, sister city to Pinneberg, Germany, but why would I have used to come here? You know, the DMV is a big place. I, uh, I don't know why I'd be here other than to go see perhaps Scott Lynn in his house, which is not really in Rockville downtown. It's sort of off on the western edge. Anyway, here is my chat with Andy. Well, you have seen the sadness, Andy, in my eyes as I cleaned out my office today. We are actually kind of shutting down these studios here because yeah. the, uh, the company is moving. The company has been sold. Urban One takes over the venerable 980 AM signal, which you have been a part of. In fact, launched it when it was 570. Yep. Was here with the transition. Yep. 92. And then 98 is when we became 980, Sports Talk 980. Yeah. And we've been in this building here, high above the four corners, the, the four gas station corner <laughs> of Rollins Avenue and Rockville Pike. Right. For how many years? Was it 12 years since this, we were here? We were moved in here, as I recall, January of 2006. I thought we moved right before the Redskins season. Uh, because no, I remember no, 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 driving no, no. home, listening to shit get fed over the air that was not supposed to be fed over the air, calling Todd, our boss, saying, hey, shit's going on in the air that's not supposed to. As I recall, we were supposed to be in these studios in September. It was like September 1st. We got in here late December, like it had to happen before the end of the year, and things weren't done. Oh, no, and, shit was everywhere. And I did a show. That it was, I remember this. It was the Monday morning quarterback show with Joe, with Jake, Joe Jacoby. Yeah. And nothing worked. And <laughs> we couldn't get phone calls. We couldn't get Jake's mic working. It was a complete mess. Shit show. Yeah. And, and who walks in? But old Todd Castleberry. Who buddy, was, Todd. Who, uh, and then, you know, during the, one of the commercial breaks, he said, 
boy, this is just like it was when we started in 92, right, Andy? I go, no, it's nothing like it was in 92 because we had time to test all the equipment. We actually rehearsed shows. We had a crack staff of engineers who put together top-notch studios well in advance of us launching. And how did our boss and friend Todd Castleberry take that feedback not well but <laughs> but but better than he took it when you said what uh what well i know this i i was trying to do a fox sports radio show nationally in the morning yeah and as part of my agreement with the station here they were to provide me a studio right. well they didn't have a studio up and ready and i complained to my bosses <laughs> at fox saying they don't have a studio ready well the bosses at fox then came down on todd's head <laughs> and so todd then Called me into a side studio to start motherfucking me up one side and down the other, saying, why do you have to go to them? And then saying that I quit. He's like, you quit. Everyone else here is making it work. They're figuring out a way to do it. You quit. I actually then started laughing, genuinely laughing. That only made him madder as I was just kind of cracking up. Like, you got to be kidding me, dude. So finally, I then told some producers, I'm like, look, let's start tidying this place up. I need you to grab that, grab that, do this, do that. So we started to clean up the mountain of mess out here. And Todd did pull me aside later, and he said, hey, thanks a lot for taking that leadership. I appreciate that. So there you go. Of course, there's still shit lying around. Stuff's broken. The chairs are in disrepair. It's just a damn shame. I wish... I wish radio studios, and hopefully the new place where they're building new studios at Urban One in Silver Spring, hopefully they will be first-rate, state-of-the-art, no clutter, no bullshit, no barbecue sauce on the goddamn (laughs) microphones. I'm not kidding, Andy. But that's part of the allure of sports radio. Is it really? Oh, come on. Is it really? Eating in the studio. Let me tell you, the, the foam windscreens that are on the microphones in the studio, you would look at them and you would see chunks of food that had been accumulated by hosts running their pie hole with barbecue flying out of it, getting embedded in the mesh. Well, uh, I'll give you an old school story. Back in the WFAN days, the yeah. overnight host, and he's still there. He's in his 70s now, Steve Summers. Oh, uh, yes. Steve Summers, yeah. he talks like this. Yeah, yeah Steve Summers. The schmoozer. The schmoozer. Who I, I think he still smokes. At least he then, then he smoked unfiltered camels. Oh, my God. And the microphone in the morning would be filled with these little spittle pieces of tobacco. And who followed Steve Summers in the Uh, morning? Oh, the I-Man. The I-Man. But the the I-Man wasn't going to go in there and and face that microphone. So he had one of his underlings go in, and they would actually change the microphone microphone so I-Miss could have his own mic. Yeah, I, I don't doubt that. Anyway... I was trying to think of the exact number of hours, not exact, I was thinking about the rough number of hours I spent in that box to my left with you, Andy. (laughs) I mean, so much of my life, the meat of my prime of my career in that glass box Overlooking the four gas stations on Rollins yeah. Avenue and 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 Rock. Yeah, Park. no, those those were those are good days. Uh, I remember before even before we moved into this studio, we were I think in this studio or the, what is now the control room, and we were watching a meeting that was taking place where they were telling the John Thompson show that they were going to be basically taking our spot. Remember when we got. Yeah, we got bumped to midday. Yeah, mornings. It was 9 to noon, I think. Well, I call that midday. No, it was yeah, late morning. Late morning, yeah. yeah. It was 9 to noon, and we're watching this, and we're thinking, don't do this. This is dumb. This is really stupid, what you're going to do here. Right. And they did it, and then, like, six months later, they go, they switched yeah, back. we really yeah, should really, have done It really fucked up. That was a bad idea. Yeah, yeah that, I remember that. I also remember, it, you know, the, the studio here, it has two tables. It has a yeah. smaller console and a larger one. I remember the initial table was all they were going to have. 
and it was like the movie Spinal Tap when Stonehenge <laughs> yeah. was 11 inches tall, not 11 feet tall. And I said, this is not a big enough table. And they're like, what do you mean it's not big enough? I go, look at it. It's tiny. It's like a, it's like a bistro table. For, and so they had to then buy a second table that nested in there. So a lot of good times. We're moving. And uh, people that are asking, like, is your show going away? No, my show is not going away, not for the time being. Uh, still on. Four to seven in the afternoons on the team 980. Urban One owns now the station. The lineup is still in flux from what I've told. I've been told I don't know what it's ultimately going to be. I don't know who they're talking to. I don't know. I haven't seen anything. As soon as I know something, you'll know something. But I know that my show continues four to seven. And, so there you go. And you were about to do something that a sports talk host hasn't done probably since Ken Beatrice. Last four sta- four different uh addresses no no four different buildings is that what it is because i was in four buildings now it's to chronicle a season of a coach in his fifth year oh right uh north turner lasted seven yeah uh and that was when you were calling for him to be fired yeah we called him for him to be fired and that's when you had him on the air and you had to say you know just so you know coach i've called for you to be fired well no i i had him on before his playoff year, the year that they won the division, which was 1999. Okay. And it was on the ESPN show with Mel Kuyper. Now, okay. He wasn't in the studio with us. He was on the phone. And I said, he said, uh, what do you say to people like me who say you shouldn't be back this year? And, you know, he well, went, well, you know, and so, you know, okay, he wasn't, he wasn't a jerk about it and he didn't complain to anybody. And, uh, and so late in the season, Dan Miller, who's now in Detroit, used to host a show with Brian Mitchell, who was still playing at the time. And so Dan was out, and I was filling in for Dan with Mitchell, and Mitchell invited his guest, Norv Turner. Oh, my God. So I'm back across the table from Norv Turner, and I said, uh, well, I, I guess I, I wasn't right that you should have been fired, because at that point they'd already back, yeah. clinched a playoff spot. Right. And he said, he said, well, you know, I'm just glad you, you didn't have $800 million, meaning right. to buy the team. And, yeah, exactly. you know, so that was pretty funny. I looked through, uh, as I was going through my files and notes, I had saved so many articles of the bad years, 02, 03, the depths of – you know, the Redskins nonsense, the Vinny years, the Bruce Smith years. It's as as bad as it feels like right now, and we'll get into the Redskins season. We'll get you on record, Andy, as to what you think they're going to do. As bad as it is now, it was so much worse before. Yeah. And it was so crazy and so stupid. It's hard to believe unless you look back and read the articles. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, you, you had stories of of Spurrier not even going out on the practice field because it was too cold. Absolutely. Watching from his office. Cutting uh, practice short so he can go play nine holes at Beacon Hill Golf Course. Right. Now defunct. Uh, when, he gave, when he gave Hugh Jackson the play-calling duties for a couple of weeks because it wasn't working too well for yeah, him. I think I'll give Hugh a chance yeah. to call the plays. And then he later revealed that's when he decided he wasn't going to coach anymore. Yeah. Even though he was saying at the end of the season. Now, he was really honest with us. i got to say, of the, of the coaches we've talked to over the years, Oh yeah, he was honest, but when he was, honest when he was saying at the end of the year, "I intend to be back," he had no intention of coming back. No, that was year. his way of saying, "I'm talking to my agent to figure out what is the best exit strategy." Right, and it turned out, resigned from the golf course was what he chose. Yeah, yeah probably he, didn't prepare for it that way, but realized, okay, I got to do something. Yeah, yeah. So hey, he was, but he was fun. He, he didn't win much, <laughs> but he was fun. I guess fun. I don't know. <laughs> Winning is fun, which yeah. is something we've never experienced, and that brings us to this year's Redskins. Andy, do you sense a winning 
season this year no. for the Burgundy and Gold. They're eight and eight, and and the whole season go, going into training camp, eight and, and eight as their ceiling. Yeah, because if you say eight and eight is their target, they could win or two, one or two extra by luck, right? By hook or by crook, then they're a ten and sixteen. That right, but that's exactly who they are. They're a team that has been this way really since Dan Snyder took over, that you go into a season saying they're 8-8, eight and eight, meaning if they get a lot of injuries and things go bad, they could win 6, maybe 7, maybe even 5. If a lot of things go right and other teams get hurt, like the years that they've won the division in recent years, then they could win 9 or 10. But okay. but but they're not they're not a team that could win twelve and be a Super Bowl it contender. Feel, it doesn't feel that way. How do you feel about the relative lack of buzz? Because you're a buzz guy. You've yep. always talked oh, to yeah. me about the buzz. buzz. Do you not sense an absolute silence when it comes to buzz for this year? Well, Caps won the Stanley Cup. That helped. That doesn't fact. Oh yes, it does. Yes, it does because okay. this, this market has been championship. If the Redskins, if the Redskins had had a year that the Rams had with Hello, oh, Sean yeah, McVay, yeah, yeah, then there'd be buzz out sure. the wazoo. Sure, but they haven't. And then the Nationals, which everybody assumed they would be in the playoffs and in the World Series this year, they're probably not going to make the playoffs. Okay, but about the Redskins specifically, I'm stunned at just how non-existent interest is in this team because we've year. had enough it's, it's and i think the reason is this if I, uh, try to my name for the season if i were to slap a name on it like mm-hmm. the cover of a media guy media guide i think this year's redskins would be going into the year described as the patch and pray redskins yeah, that's a good they're one. patching with alex smith right they're patching now with adrian peterson mm-hmm. keeping jay on board is a bit of a keep the patch there right and they're praying that guys like Jordan Reed can be healthy and productive all year, mm. that John Allen comes back from his injury mm. and is awesome, that Josh Doxson finally blooms, that Josh Norman doesn't slide down a notch. These are all hopes that they have. Mm-hmm. It's a patch and pray, and so therefore there's not a lot of juice. Yeah, and well, I think that third preseason game scared the shit out of a lot of people. Well, they have 2,000 people there. I also, it's been amazing to me that they now have their – marketing people going on television and radio shows begging you to buy tickets. It is an onslaught of ticket pitches that we've never heard before. Never seen this before. Stunning. They're begging you. They're they're talking about we've got new hot dogs. Yeah. <laughs> new hot dogs. Holy well, shit. Well, also, they're, they're saying this end zone pavilion. What is it? It's a couple of beer stands in the open end of the field. It is, although you can kind of wander down there and get a decent view of the game. If you're way up in the Himalayas. You know where I get a decent view of the game? On Germantown, <laughs> where I have a 60-inch HDTV. That's where I get a great view of the game. I know, I know, I know, and they took more seats out. So, given that the third preseason game, the so-called dress rehearsal, was a shit sandwich. Terrible. Smith looked bad. The defense was gashed Horrible. repeatedly. Norman was targeted and, yeah. and just punished by uh, yeah. Denver. Fresh legs, Adrian Peterson looked good a bench against right. a bunch of guys. That's All right, what is your prediction? I've I've gone on record, I said 6-10, and 10, which didn't a lot of people didn't like, but I think that's my number. I, I say 8-8. Eight eight. Okay, you say 8-8. Eight 8-8, eight. Eight, right. eight. yeah. Uh, Adrian Peterson. Yeah. Will he be, will he play 16 out of 16 games? No. Will he play 14 out of 16 games? No. 12 out of 16 games? 8. 8. eight. Will he be on the roster at the end of the year? Probably not. Okay. And, and I also, I don't think he's going to like the idea of this offense. I don't think he's going to like the idea of getting twelve carries. 
He's it's it's this whatever Jay says about wanting to run the ball and now they have this no. And this is not the Rigo era. I know that at the Welcome Home Luncheon they were trying to sell that notion. Well, because I had forgotten that basically Rigo is the only guy, only running back over 33 that has rushed for 1,000 yards is in the right? modern era. Yeah, Sverluga wrote about it in the Post, and the numbers are staggering. Yeah, Like, he rushed for 1,300 and 1,200 in back-to-back years at ages 34 and 35. Okay. And remember also... He, he had sat out a year, but he came back in 81, and he said he was so bad they were talking about cutting him. Right. And then he came, and they got the line together and all that. The rest is just, But it's a different game. That's, I know. Gibbs, Gibbs, Gibbs fed him the ball 25, yeah. 30 times a game. That, that doesn't exist in the NFL anymore. Well, one exception. Last year in Arizona, uh, Peterson got a 37-carry game. Okay, thirty-seven carries for like a buck fifty-nine. Yeah. Well, look at the history books. A washed-up Earl Campbell, right before Bum Phillips was ready to deliver the middle finger in New Orleans, yeah, gave Earl the ball like thirty-five times. He had a thousand yards, and that was a thank you, good night to both of them. Right, and and an aging back who New Orleans had him last year. And they got rid of him because he didn't like being the secondary guy. Well, Alvin Kamara was coming on like oh, gangbusters. Okay, but and and there was a conflict personality wise with Sean Payton. Okay. But And then he was okay in Arizona. And then but, he got hurt. Then he got hurt. Then he got hurt. Um it's all it's probably like uh OJ with the Niners. Yeah. Or oh, Emmett done. Or Emmett, Emmett with, with the Cardinals. The Cardinals. Yeah. Just they're gonna ring out what's left of him. So I just it doesn't cost much to bring him in, but it really is like throwing your shoe at a bad guy when your gun is out of bullets. Well, also, it, it was the third back they looked at when they knew they needed to sign a back. Who else they look at? They looked at uh, two other guys who had been out, same okay. type of, but they didn't sign either one was of them. Was Chris Johnson one of them? No, but okay. I, I forget who it was. But the, the, the point is, is that, is that he was sitting out on the street all this time. I know. And nobody picked him up? Well, that's because everyone thinks he's basically done. Uh, by the way, how funny is it? That they gave him number twenty six, yeah, Clinton's well, number. Well, he 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 wore twenty three with the Cardinals last year. He was twenty eight, most famously with the uh, Vikings, yeah. and of course Daryl. Daryl Rinkin, yeah, you, you wouldn't give, give that number. Clinton on our air said, "Hey man, how about some respect for me?" Clinton Portis kind of has a point. He's the second leading rusher in team history. And, no, you're shaking your head like, nope, too bad. That number goes back out again, well, 26. He's, he's not a Hall of Famer. He's not close to I him. agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. And uh, and the funny, the other irony is, so Clinton had to buy that number off of yeah. Ibiani Oalete <laughs> for right. forty grand. Right. Then when Oalete got cut, he stiffed him on the back end of the payment. Oalete took him to court in PG County and won a judgment yeah. against Portis. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and now they're dishing it out to guys who will be here for eight weeks. Yeah, well, Portis on the sidelines gave him the jersey, you know, in the sideline report. I didn't see that. Yeah, I was yeah, out that of the was country. The game. Yeah, that, okay. was, that was a nice little touchy-feely warm moment. All right. So, skins eight and eight, says Andy. Yeah. That's your official yeah. prediction. Okay. Uh, ESPN, my goodness. Last <laughs> Friday, they sure did drop a lot of news. <laughs> Get Up has been trimmed to two hours starting at 8, which kind of negates the name, don't you think? Yeah, that's the point. It's not that the show was cut from three hours to two hours. It's the two hours that they got. And so what they're doing in the East is they're saying, and the East is your most important market because that's where the population is, 
for when you get up, we think we have a better shot at doing a show that most people consider a dinosaur named Sports Center. Right. And that in the eight o'clock hour, when okay, it's seven o'clock in the Central, and it's what five a.m. in the West. Right. We're going to give you a show that's more like Get Up, but. Right. I mean, think of what happened here. One of the three hosts, and and one of them is a basketball guy, and, and Jalen Rose. Sure. And and Greenberg is and, the, a, and Beetle was a basketball girl, but she, she liked she, the NBA. She's supposed to be an all sports person like Greenberg, and then says, and she, "I'm off of football." No, because you, of Urban Meyer, you can't be off of football. It's like if you work at McDonald's and saying, "I'm a vegetarian." I don't you, do you, fries. You, yeah, or, yeah. Right. I'm not going to put the fries in the deep fryer. That's yeah, crazy. Yeah. That's so you know. So they so they now and they also. So they were faced with a public relations nightmare if they shuffled her off. So they said, oh, and we're giving her a contract extension. That's amazing. Yeah. She didn't even want to move east to do the show, but coke-addled John Skipper kept <laughs> upping the ante, upping yeah. the ante, till the point she got $5 million. By the way, Beetle has n- never moved the needle. I think she's fine, but, but she... But when she got signed by NBC Sports yeah. to do that yeah. show, The Crossover? Nothing. Bombed. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's amazing. So... There's that aspect of it. Greenberg has to be very nervous. Yeah, but Greenberg Don't Green- you think don't you think eventually get up is don't you think after the season get up gets flushed? Yes, but he's got a big contract and he's willing to do anything for the company. So, so they'll repurpose him? This is how he got this job. He convinced he's always been safe. Management has always loved him. And so he's managed to convince them that he's got real talent. I don't see it. How do you, how do he do that? Because he never makes waves. See the talent. But isn't there anyone with a brain in executive levels of major networks to go? He's not dynamic. Why are we putting all our eggs safe. in that basket? We we've put our eggs in the Oberman basket before, and he's gone nuts. We can't deal with him. And they brought him back now too. Yeah, because they have no ratings, and he he moves the needle, and they go, well, yeah, he's he's a really wacko guy, but right. we'll deal with that. And Greenberg has always been – remember the story that was out a couple years ago about uh, one of the executives said about the morning show, which was very vanilla with with Golick? Yes, but the soccer moms like it. You're not trying to get soccer moms. Right. The the audience you want for sports radio is men 25 to 54. So (laughs) you had somebody who's never going to get a management person in trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the fact of the matter is, what is he – has he done anything throughout his career that's gained notice other than botching Martin Luther King's name on his no, birthday? No. Nothing. Or or apologizing for saying, what's the opposite of man up? Woman down? Yeah. And then he was like, oh, oh, oh I'm so sorry about yeah. that. Because yeah. I, uh, I think Christine Brennan quickly knocked out a column saying, yeah. I can't believe that. You've got to have an edge. He has no edge. <laughs> know, he's a nice guy. He looks good on television. He's smooth. But By the uh, way, he's starting a podcast now. I'm sure. Called I'm Interested. Great. Which tells you, like all of us, since we're on a podcast now, Andy, the end is nigh. (laughs) 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 Oh, shit. And then, of course, they're jamming more sports centers all over the place. They're doing a noon sports center. Yeah. Uh, They're they're putting an hour sports center at 7. It's like this whole decision to go away from sports center to say, oh, people get their highlights on their phone. I have been screaming, as you know, Andy, to say... But I don't want to go hunting for highlights on my phone. I want a professionally edited, yeah. professionally narrated one-hour or at least half-hour block of 
here's what the fuck happened well, last I, night. I got into a little tweet up the other day with Sage Steele, who I really like. Oh. And I think she's great. Tweet up like argument? Sort of. Like oh. I, I sent out a tweet and I said, uh, just turned on the 6 o'clock Sports Center. The lead story oh, is, right. is Odell Beckham. Yep, which was a day old. Day old. And then later in the show, Stephen A. Smith is going to explain LeBron's move to the West. Didn't that happen like two months ago? I know. And, and so what did Sage and say? Sage, so she wrote, Andy, in capital letters, <laughs> you're in the news business. You should know. And, you know, what else should we have done as the lead story? And? And I said, well, to me it was interesting to hear Jerry Jones say that the 18-game schedule is safer for the players. Oh, my God, exactly. I, w- I would have done that. And, uh, but we- remember, ESPN is now in the business of kissing the NFL's ass. Right. This guy, Pataro, has said, hey, we're not going to do this, we're not going to yeah. do that, we want to be long-term partners. Right, and, and you have Beckham in the number one market, which is yeah. good for business. So they put that on, and he had his press conference, and what's he going to say? Oh, I, didn't re- I really wanted more money, but this is what I'll have to settle for? What was news breaking about that? By the way, I think it's insanity what the Giants did, and oh. I'm laughing my ass off that this guy, who has already had a lot of shit off the field, to give him a big pile of money and to do it one year prior to when they had to? Yeah. Why would they do that? Because... What were they afraid of? Him walking out the door, they can franchise him. Or, or... Then he'd threaten a holdout and be a big distraction. I know he's... A dynamic receiver, I get that. But, man, of all the guys not to give a big pile of money to, Odell Beckham's the guy. Could it be to justify not looking for a replacement for Eli? Probably, that, and I think that was a mistake. Yeah, but, they're, but what they're saying is, okay, we're not giving Eli any excuse to suck. We've got a guy here who yeah. is a top receiver. We're going to pay him. Eli Manning is 37, Yeah, and he's not that good. And he yes, he Peyton. has two rings. He's not Peyton. And he's not Peyton. And they said, oh, we can't draft a young quarterback, even though we're at the number two spot, because that would make the Manning Cosa Nostra upset and, and, and butthurt. So let's instead draft a running back who may be great or might get hurt like yeah. they all do. And then we're going to pour money into Odell Beckham Jr. A head oh, case. Oh, my God. A head case. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, I just look at it like, okay, let's see how this works out right mm-hmm. now. I hope to God Sam Darnold is fucking awesome. Because it would torment Giant fans if Darnold, right there in town with the Jets, is awesome and he could have been the Giants for the next 12 years with their own pick at number two, but they were afraid to make the Banning family upset. But it's the Jets. It's a terrible organization. So you don't think that's going to happen? No. I don't, I Romo think... said he thinks that uh, he's going to be the best quarterback in the league. Darnold. Okay. But, but it's a bad organization. Bad organizations ruin quarterbacks. They do. And, you know, maybe he'll be good, but it's the Jets, and the Jets always find a way to screw. You know, the report that Kirk Cousins turned down an extra $6 million to sign with right. him is interesting. Right. Did you see that clip? Yeah. That was interesting. Yeah. He had a film crew. I, I, I totally respect what Kirk did. Yeah. He played the system in a way that nobody else has played. He played the system, but they, they, the other the dance partner allowed him to do it. Yeah, they had their shoes tied together, yeah. the Redskins. Yeah, exactly. It, it, Bruce Allen thought he was dancing a beautiful waltz. Yeah. He had he had bowling shoes on that were tied together. If, <laughs> if they would have given him close to a market value deal the first year he it was been eligible, yeah. it would have been done. Yeah. Uh, by the way, last night, Robert Griffin III played for the Ravens, and I just wanted to get your thoughts on, not knowing as we taped yeah. this how he did, Where do you, how do you feel about Robert? It's a feel question. Mm-hmm. And do you think he makes the team? Yes, I do. I, I've How do you impressed. feel about him? I, I feel differently now. You're I, okay with him now? Yeah, I think he's he's understood what where he is. He's finally been humbled. Yeah, he's been humbled. And maybe did you also read? There was a story a couple of weeks ago 
about not, last year he was actually involved in training to be a sprinter or a herder. I saw that, yeah. And, and that's what he should have done. That's it's really no money in track and field. Well, you can do it if you you know you win Olympic medals and you can you can parlay it into some money. And... How about this for Robert? Let's say that in that Seattle game at home mm-hmm. in the playoffs, he gets pulled by Shanahan when it's obvious in the third quarter he's not right. Right. Redskins go on to win, mm-hmm. but Robert's knee is not totally trashed. He comes back next year. He does not push to go all in for week one. Mm-hmm. Gets reinstated as the starter. He does not tell Shanahan, I don't want to do this, this, and this. Well, that's the key. And let's say he really puts his shoulder into being a complete quarterback. Could Robert Griffin III's career have been a lot different? Yes, no? yes. But but he didn't put in the classroom time. All the, the Instagram photos were mm-hmm. in workouts. Mm-hmm. I want to see an Instagram photo with his head buried in a book or watching <laughs> watching tape. There's a it. lot more slogans than there was studying yeah. how to play quarterback. Yeah, I mean, he also may not have had it from a pocket passer standpoint. It's a very difficult thing to do. But I'm just thinking, like, if he had just not totally trashed the knee and if he had not had such an arrogance after winning yeah. Rookie of the Year. I think I think it was more that he decided he was going to snap his fingers and become Aaron Rodgers, and he wasn't ready to do that. Yeah. And and also, Dave Shinen wrote a very good book after the first year, and he was talking about all these other things he wanted to do with his life, that he was going to be a you know a, a politician, going to be a lawyer. I mean, <laughs> concentrate on what you're doing. How about being do- a NFL quarterback yeah, first? Yeah, I mean, that, that, that I think was the biggest yeah. thing, that he just never never really embraced doing what he was doing and never really realized how hard it was to become yeah. a good quarterback. There was also an article in The Washingtonian when McNabb came to town oh, yeah. about how he had his eye on politics yeah. after his playing career. Oh, wait, he was having sponsors line up to, oh. to see which ones he wanted to endorse. And, it, boy, he's been a train wreck, hasn't he? Total train wreck. DUI getting blown up to 300 pounds. Oh, is he 300? I haven't Not seen 300, him. but he got fat, yeah. yeah and, yeah, and he's been fired from a variety of media jobs. You got it. Yeah. All right, so uh, real quick, we didn't talk about the Maryland Ugh. scandal. It's awful. I yeah. mean, you shouldn't ever lose a kid to heat exhaustion. Here, here's the history of the Maryland program. They had really good teams under Jim Tatum in the 50s. And then they were dreck for a long time. Jerry Claiborne came in in the 70s from Kentucky, made him respectable. What Maryland should be, seven, eight, nine win team, okay? And that leads to Bobby Ross, who took over for him, and Ross did a good job, and then Len Bias happened, and everything went crazy for 15 years. Mm-hmm. Ralph Friedgen comes in. Ralph Friedgen went to seven bowl games in 10 years, had, mm-hmm. a, had a good record, had good teams. Including an Orange Bowl. Yeah, and then Kevin Anderson comes in from the military academy and goes, well, let's get this fat slob out of here. And You think it was an image thing? I think some. You think if that. Ralph Friedgen didn't look so bad mm-hmm. that – they would have kept him because Some of, that, of the results. And I also heard that he was not necessarily well-liked there, but he kept his players basically out of trouble. Right. I mean, there was, wasn't a big, you know, a lot of things. And so they bring in this jackass Randy Edsel, <laughs> who, who, who was just a total jerk. But he looked the part. Square-jawed, yeah. flat-top, well, clean look. Also, I'm telling my kids, don't wear hats in practice. They want Mike Leach, and this guy walks in from Connecticut and I says, know. this is my dream job. And they go, Really? Dream job. job. How about that? Well, I guess you should have it. Ass kisser, lying ass motherfucker, (laughs) dream job. So he's in. So now they're in the Big Ten. He came in. Remember, Etzel came in ACC. Now you're in the Big Ten. Well, if you're going to compete in the Big Ten, you've got to have big, tough guys. So they bring in DJ Durkin from the Michigan staff. He's a Harbaugh guy. 
Here's the thing that I don't think people are talking enough about. This guy, Rick Court, who they gave $300,000 to walk away and the shut up. The strength and conditioning coach, yeah. 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 Fifth highest paid in the country. He was? Yeah. Oklahoma, Texas. Holy shit. Nebraska. For they, a weight room meathead. Yes. Oh so my, my theory is they go, well, you know, we're really not going to get the players that Michigan gets and Ohio State gets and even Penn State in our backyard. So we're going to get a guy who's going to take our second and third choice guys and toughen them up. Oh, God. And, and if this report from ESPN is true, yeah. that they made this poor kid, you know, Jordan McNair, go across the field when he was already suffering the effects yeah, of heat drag exhaustion. Drag his ass across yeah. the field. So he was in there to bring that culture in, to, to, to toughen everybody up. Yeah. And here we are. All right. All right, Andy, I am going to finish packing my office. Mm -hmm. I'm going to walk across the street to Qdoba for the last time. So many meals at the (laughs) Qdoba right across the street from the station. Will they put up a plaque for you? (laughs) No, but I should probably tell them. This is my last time yeah. here. Well, I might get a free burrito from them. Who knows? Well, remember the, the the time that we went in there the first time, and and what did I say? It was uh, it was Chipotle like, only closer. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't like that. No, they didn't like that. <laughs> and he was like, nah, whatever. It's like Chipotle only closer. Yeah, they didn't like that at all. Yeah, we're not. nothing like Chipotle. <laughs> well, it seems to me you got rice and beans and burritos. That's, that's... I think I think the difference is Qdoba has queso, oh. and Chipotle doesn't. no Chipotle does now. They do? Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. Then they are the same. Yeah. One's owned by PepsiCo, one's owned by Coca-Cola. It's the same shit. They it's don't, quick they, Mexican is what it is. They don't charge for the guacamole over here, though. Which what I'm, I'm really going to miss is the CompUSA, or not the CompUSA, the uh, Micro Center. Oh, yeah. The Computer Center, the warehouse right over there, because I, I, I spent so much money and time in that thing, <laughs> buying shit over the years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. I don't want to get sad. Andy, good to see you. Good to uh, see you. We begin the season next week. Can I tell my listeners that you will be a regular during the season to break down Redskins stuff? Well, I'll be on with uh, Tom Lavero every Saturday from uh, 9 to noon. WJFK. On 106.7. And then Earl Forsey and I, we do three hours prior to the Junkies two-hour pregame show. Okay. Uh, but this the opening But can week... you be with me once a week during the football oh, season? Oh, on this? Yeah. yeah because oh, yeah. I... I need your counsel, as always, during Redskins season as to what's going on. Well, now that you have this phone hookup where I don't have to drive to uh, Timbuktu to go, to, to go see you, yes. All right. All right. We'll, uh, we'll figure it out. Andy, good to see you, as always. Good to see you. All right. We'll end with this today. Here is your special announcement. As we approach September 1st tomorrow, it'll mark eight months of this podcast, minus, of course, my various vacations. I got to say, I'm blown away, blown away and thankful for the growing legion of subscribers and downloaders for this particular little podcast. Now, over the last eight months, of course, I've thought about monetizing this podcast. And of course, many of you have said you should do it. I have weighed and talked with any number of people, uh, both in the industry and out of the industry about the whole sponsorship thing versus subscriber thing. And it's a tough one because, look, everyone wants stuff for free. And if you're asking for money, which I now am, oh, by the way, just five bucks a month. I'm going to put Friday shows starting next week behind that paywall. You can get Monday through Thursday absolutely free. And if you don't subscribe, you are still my friend. Trust me. But, you know, everyone wants your your money. Everyone wants three, five, ten dollars if you're 
Mike Francesa for his app and his special podcast premium whatever. It adds up, you know, five here, six there, two there. I mean, I know that the concept of paying for good content is something that I want all of us to get in the habit of. I subscribe to The Athletic, which I think is excellent content. I got to admit, I don't eat it. I don't read it nearly as much as I should. I, I'm always conscious of how, how bad my digital diet is as well as my real diet. I eat the junk food of easy, clickbait, Twitter bullshit. I should read more long-form, thoughtful pieces of writing like they have on The Athletic. But I subscribe. I subscribe because it's a couple bucks a month, and I want to sort of help the cause. And that would be kind of what your subscription to the premium version of the Zabecast is. It's, you know, you get stuff with it. I'm going to include stuff, archive stuff, soundbite stuff, I'm going to try to develop a couple more podcasts once a week, golf podcast all year long with my boys for the Capital Golf Gang, maybe a tech podcast with drone news and camera news and shit like that. And I'll give all that stuff away to the you know premium subscribers and keep that behind the little paywall for those that just want a free ride Monday through Thursday. And you know if there's demand for an event like Zabe Vegas, give preferential treatment to people who are subscribers. If I come out with a T-shirt, you know, that I'm going to sell or whatever, a hat. I'll give you guys a discount if you're a subscriber. It's not going to be the greatest deal in the world. I can't sit here and honestly say, oh, my God, you got to have this. Although the Friday shows starting next week are going to be great. It's going to be football five ways. I'm going to have a quick blitz of you are looking live. I'm going to have charts. I'm going to have Mr. X on to talk gambling. I'm going to have a college football guy every day and then a fifth interview with somebody random in the world of football, which I think will be interesting. It'll be a good, solid hour that moves because it's chicken, fried, baked, fricasseed. Uh, how else can you cook chicken? It's football five ways. So anyway, that's the deal. And by the way, for the first 500 subscribers, I'm giving away an ale coin, which I think is kind of cool. I don't know why I thought of this, but I did. Sometimes my brain is very fertile. And it comes up with good ideas. I said, let me make a a coin, an ale coin. And so, yes, ale does mean always leave early. But, you know, a coin that you flip to decide whether you're staying at a game or going. So, yes, the first 500 subscribers will get that ale coin absolutely free. And if I don't get 500 subscribers, well, then I'm quitting this damn thing. I think I will. Uh, Just based on the overall volume of downloads, I think that's a conservative estimate. And like I said uh, in the the pitch to this on the uh, landing page, and by the way, you got to go to zabe.com slash premium to sign up. Zabe.com slash premium. Sign up there. But as I said in the pitch, I'm like, this this ale coin, it's it's one printing. It's one only. So it'll be a collectible. Only 500. I wish I had gotten the the Sack King coin that uh, apparently Bruce Smith had printed up. That would have been a cool piece of Redskins Kitchikana. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, I'm dipping my toe in the water to see whether or not we can make a little money, expand this, broaden this out, and take it to the next level. Also, we have an app now, and i got to thank Chris Broussard. 
of nlutions.com. He's been the point man on all this for me. He's done great work. He's a fan. He's a listener. He's a hockey fanatic. He's a great digital marketer, web developer, podcast consultant. If you need that kind of service, go to nlutions.com, E-N-L-U-T-I-O-N-S.com, or just contact me. Uh, but yeah, we have an app now, which is uh, you know uh, an official vetted app in both Apple and on Google Play. So download it and you get all you know my shows there. And you don't have to subscribe to Premium to get the app. App is free. It's just, you know, you'll get Monday through Thursday. So there you go. Download the app. It's cool and slick. Please subscribe if you can. Support the podcast. I appreciate it. Spread the word. And let's get ready for some friggin' football because it is here. That's a wrap for today. You know the new drill, which is download to the app or download the free app. Subscribe as a premium member. Tell two friends, and thank you for your support. Enjoy your Labor Day weekend, and we will see you next time.